Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us once again on the Writer's Advice Podcast. This week, I was so grateful to be joined with Julie Fison, who is the author of the book One Punch that debuts this week. And Julie has a beautiful chat to us, sharing us some beautiful advice for writers um, when it comes to gaining feedback and owning your voice in the industry and your enthusiasm and the story that you have to tell into pushing that forward and making that happen. And so I'm very excited to share this week's conversation with you. And also, if you're in Brisbane, Julie's book launch is at Avid Reader next Thursday. So on Thursday the 9th. So head uh, to Avid Reader. I think it's like avidreader.com.au and you can buy tickets to Julie's um, book launch, which will be really, really great. Also, you can win a copy of her book. So if you want to win a copy of her brand new book, um, One Punch, all you have to do is head to oliviahillier.com slash podcast, fill out your details, and a copy of her brand new book could be coming to your doorstep um, next week. Something else, if you love this conversation, please share it with Julie and I. Let us know where you're listening to it. And, um, yeah, until then, I will catch you guys um, next week on the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, listeners. And today we have Julie Fison with us today, who is in her brand-new debut week of your brand new novel essentially one punch so welcome thanks thanks for joining us julie thank you so much olivia i'm very excited to be here thank you so now this is your debut adult novel and there's so much i want to um dive into about about there's so many great concepts of this book that are very relevant to so many australian readers that i want to dive into um but first of all i'm going to ask you what what first made you want to become a writer or when did you first realize that you were a writer? Wow that's I think that's a tough one because as a girl I was always writing so I was always in charge of the Christmas play so I would you know get the the, get the cousins together and organize a play and you know basically torture the adults with something I'd written at the age of seven or something (laughs) you know my, my brother and cousins traipsing around in various costumes rather unwillingly I might add but I, you know, wrote poems and various stories, et cetera. And then I actually became a journalist. So I had a, I had a brief phase where I decided that I wanted to be a vet scientist or maybe a zoologist and travel in Africa and do important work with animals. But then I got to grade nine biology and had to dissect a toad and realize that that was not for me. So luckily I had a couple of girlfriends who were excellent at doing that. And I just did the writing up the notes. So I realized probably journalism was going to be a better career path. So I worked in journalism for a long time. And then I'd actually been living in Hong Kong and the UK and I got back to Australia 
and the kids were three and six and I was kind of casting around for what I might do next because I didn't I didn't really have the contacts for journalism in Australia so I was kind of starting from scratch and I thought okay um see I just did a bit of freelance writing etc and then we were on holidays on the Noosa River and the kids just got up to so many great adventures and they were exactly the sort of things that I did as a kid, sort of exploring the mangroves and making bases and they, you know, even had their own rock band. So, yeah, I could really relate to everything they were doing. And I thought, I've got to write about this. I need to write a kid's story that, you know, sort of takes this to the next level and involves dangerous animals that they're trying to rescue as well. So I had a lot of fun writing that. It was really great fun. And the kids loved it and really encouraged me, I think, because at the time they were reading Captain Underpants and nothing else. So I was really excited about getting them to move past that. And, you know, I just kept pushing it and eventually found a publisher and, you know, wrote 11 kids books after that. And then here I am now writing for adults, which is also so exciting. And, you know, this is, I've kind of settled in into my new genre right now. That's amazing. So, okay, firstly, okay, I've got, I've got so many questions from that. So, <laughs> so you, you embark on this um, awesome journey of, of writing kids' novels. How was your process of putting that idea together and then finding a publisher? How, how did you go with that? Right, so... I just started off really, I thought, well, my background is in writing. I've been a journalist for 10 years. How hard can it be to write a kid's story? Well, apparently it's a little harder than it looks, but there were chapter books. So I was just really inspired by what the kids were up to and writing things that I knew would relate to, to boys, really. And, yeah. you know, I think there was just not quite enough boys' stories around at the time. I thought, okay, there's, there's a gap in the market for wildlife and for boys and for adventure and I really thought I was onto something there and so I started pitching the story sending off submissions and I found that the feedback was generally great idea love the concept writing is not quite there so I had to go back and, and sort of think okay because I think because I've been working in television news all of my career then the words just support the pictures. Whereas obviously with a chapter book, you don't have the pictures to, to support you. So it just requires a bit more development of the, you know, I guess of building, building the scene on the page rather than, you know, just relying on pictures, at, pictures, et cetera. But the way I got a publisher was I'd, I'd sent in a few submissions, got a few rejections, but my son, my sons were still taking my unpublished manuscript to school for, oh, I love that. <laughs> for book review days. <laughs> so the whole school was behind me and I just had this enormous, I had, there was no failing, was not, failure was not an option. I had to succeed. I had so much pressure from my kids and from the whole school. There was like, how's it going with the manuscript, Julie? You know, those terrible questions that you absolutely dread. And I actually went to a book launch at Avid Reader in oh, Brisbane yeah. and I'd done the research and, you know, checked out the author and checked out the publisher and thought, okay, that would actually be a really great fit for me. So I chatted to the author before the event and, you know, got his, got his side of how he, how he pitched to the publisher and then 
worked out who the publisher was and just basically buttonholed him at the end of the event and said, I've got this, this great series that you, you're going to love. Let me send it to you because, you know, there's not kind of a, would you like to read it? Just like, I'm sending it to you, stand by. And he, and he loved it. So to, like a couple of weeks later, I had a contract for two books and then another four books. So I had six books in the series. But he tells the story that he was at the event talking to the publisher, talking to the author and this woman barged him out of the way to get to the author. So I almost sabotaged myself with my enthusiasm to talk to people and, and not actually realising who was who. But anyway, he, he was, you know, he's a great guy, Paul Collins, Ford Street Publishing. Um, and they were really great to work with, I think, as a, you know, as, as a start for my, for my kids' books because they worked really quickly and, you know, very responsive. And, you know, I was able to have a say in the front covers, et cetera. Oh, so really great start to, to writing. And then I went on to write some more stories, more for girls. But, um, yeah, it was a really exciting start. That's excellent. Yeah, and power to you because I think sometimes even even as he tells that story that you barge by, sometimes you have to have that enthusiasm and to really get yourself seen that you know um in the industry. So obviously it's obviously worked out and and you have so many incredible stories. So how has it been and how was the process of going from children's writing to now your first adult, sorry, adult novel? Is this the first adult novel you've written, One Punch? Yeah, I wrote um, I wrote a couple of short stories. Um, had one of yeah yeah had a short story published, the only one actually. Um, and I also did a course, so I thought, okay, I probably need to do a course because I'm going from. I think the longest of my YA stories was maybe 50,000 words and then, you know, I'm bumping up to 80, 90,000 words. So that's, you know, it's a lot of places you can get lost and go down the wrong path and then just be completely, you know, out of your depth. So I thought, okay, a little bit of structure wouldn't hurt here. So I, I did a course and it was an online course out of the UK and I did that at the start of COVID, so basically 2020, and I pitched them an idea. And I've had the idea in my, for One Punch in my head for a couple of years that had been mulling over. And I think because my kids had left school by then, I'd really lost the kids' voices and the teen voices around me. So I was really keen to move on. You know, I think I'd, you know, done what I wanted to do with kids' fiction, so I was keen to write for adults. I was keen to write for women like me and my mm. friends, my book club and, and that kind of thing. So I, you know, this story had, had bounced around in my head and I had originally seen it in my mind as a TV series. And so I did a little screenwriting course mm. and thought, okay, that's, that's going to be hard. <laughs> you know, that's going to be hard to actually find a home for it whereas I know how to write and I know how that process works so I eventually decided okay I would start with the start with the novel and and see how I went from there and as it worked out I absolutely loved writing it I realized I just it was so much it was so rewarding writing uh, writing an adult novel because I was telling all of the stories from 
my parenting days and stealing all my friends' stories. And I can't even ask them if I can borrow their stories because I can't remember who I've, you know, just like pulled all these stories in. It's like, someone told me that once. I have no idea who I, you know, who to ask to. Anyway, I've just pulled them all in. So it was a great experience just to like throw throw all of motherhood into and you know raising sons so that's what I knew about it's a story one punch is a story about you know it starts off with a violent incident but it's it moves so it quickly moves on from there it's about the relationship between mothers and sons and parenting and between mothers and mothers and and fathers you know it's it's just a story about it's a family story and you know that's something I know a lot about so I was I had a lot of fun writing it actually yeah and this idea has so this idea you had with you for quite a while is that before you before you yeah I yeah I had it but it was ticking away for a couple of years basically um when my older son finished school you kind of get the feeling that when your kids finish school you'll be able to hang up your parenting hat yep okay dust that one off they've they've done well got a great op score heading to uni job done congratulations <laughs> to me and then you realize that there's so many more things can complicate their lives your life and so you know we quickly realized because at the beginning of that year there was a very tragic um coward punch a boy was 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 punched in um in Brisbane in the in the nightclub area and he died of his injuries and I think it just and it was January just after my son had finished school and that's where he was going to be in this same nightclub area you know drinking with his mates and it it really put every parent on it was a it's such a tragic event and I you know my heart goes out to that family but it put everyone on notice that the boys were vulnerable, that kids were vulnerable, and you couldn't rely on all of your skills to keep them safe because they were out there and there was alcohol and there were other people. And it just it just made it a really tense time, I think, that first year out of high school for for, for me, <laughs> you know, for all of the parents. And then every week I was hearing another story about someone being assaulted in the nightclub area in the valley. And then at the end of the year, another a friend told me that her son had been punched unconscious outside a bar in the valley and then kicked repeatedly in the face while he was lying on the ground unconscious. It was, you know, it just, it broke my heart and, you know, it still gives me chills. And he recovered, but, you know, he was having migraines quite a long time afterwards. And it just gave me a chill. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I, that this is something that's, that's really close to my heart. It's something that I felt important, was important to write about. Um, you know, I think we discuss it in general terms, the one punch, and we hear a lot about it, but it just felt like something I really wanted to write about and mm. something I knew about. So it had been ticking around in my head for a couple of years. And then I, you know, finally got on to, okay, I'm going to write the story and lockdown actually provided the perfect excuse, perfect environment for me to just put my head down for six months and write. And so I got, I got most of the, the book finished um, in 2020 and then got a publishing contract the following year. And then, 
a year later, yeah, here we are. So it's exciting. But the way I actually transitioned was I knew the process. I knew what I had to do. Um, I knew how to pitch a story. But I still had to do all of that and I didn't have contacts and I couldn't rely on my old publishers because they didn't, they only published kids, kids fiction. So I actually went through a conference called the CYA conference and they, yeah. it's a great conference, uh, you know, if you're ever looking to do workshops, etc. but they also do uh, offer pitch sessions. So you can, or they call them manuscript assessments. So you can pitch your story the first three chapters to publishers who are interested who are looking for looking for new work so I did that and I published uh, I, I pitched to a firm I pitched to four four publishers and the firm was one of them and they got back to me really quickly and once again I was like I will send you my manuscript you know sort of no choice don't would you like it's like I'm sending it to you you'll love it and you know I just you I feel like you've got to be your own biggest advocate because who else will be? So, absolutely. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that story, hundred percent. You do have to be your own advocate. It also sounds like you're very inspired by the life around you too. Is oh, that kind absolutely. of where you get your inspiration of yes. those things that genuinely make you feel so much emotion? You're able to pour into um, a story, which I think is one of the most beautiful ways to be able to take something like that that people you know it's a very serious real life concept that a lot of people can't put into words and then when you have a gift of being able to write and to um bring that into the story that you have with one punch I think like it's sad that a lot of people have experienced these issues but it's going to um it's going to help a lot of parents and mothers out there and it's a, a beautiful Australian book that I'm so excited for everyone to get their hands on so thank you for doing yeah. that <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah well I think you know having the journalistic background you know real life is definitely something that interests me the news is something that, that interests me and I feel like if an issue is interesting to me it's going to be interesting to you know people my age people you know people I know so you know when when things start ticking in my you know when I see something I go that yeah that's kind of that's really important I feel like that's something I need to talk about and you know you kind of hear the same thing being repeated like every dinner party or every party or you know whatever and you're like oh, okay that's that's definitely something that's definitely a topic that people want to know more about and or want to see explored from um, from a different angle and that's what I that's what I tried to do with one punch is, is explore it so I probably didn't get to the other half of the story so I was hearing um, a lot of stories about boys being assaulted in the nightclub area but then I started to hear stories about boys being jailed for for assault so and I think my immediate reaction was well they you know what what hideous what hideous kids they must be their their parents must you know have shown them no guidance or you know who are these kids and then i started to realize that they were actually um they were probably kids just like my own you know but they had made catastrophic errors of judgment they 
you know, they've reacted when they should have backed away and as a result, you know, they were jailed. And these aren't um, assaults relate, you know, resulting in brain injuries. These are, you know, just assaults, which are, any assault is terrible. But um, one, one friend that I was talking to, she, she knew someone whose son was outside a bar, got involved in a fight, punched someone unconscious and then ran and the parents took him back to the police station, did the right thing and he was jailed for a year and a half. You know, these are 18 year old kids just, just out of high school. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, how are you gonna feel as a mother if that's your son? You know, um, you know, so I wanted to tell the story from both sides of the coin, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when you're constantly, you know, you get a little a ping or an idea in your head and, and, and then you hear it here and hear it there. And how do you choose which stories you go ahead with? Because I'm sure you're someone that sees a lot of life that could, could turn it into, <laughs> you have a lot of story ideas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I guess um, now I've got a publisher, I just, I basically go to Kelly Doust and kind of, okay, these are my ideas, which is what's happened with the second novel I'm writing now. Um, I pitched her a few ideas, which, you know, she specifically wanted something topical. So it was, you know, a similar, a similar genre, you know, similar story, not related or, you know, not a sequel or anything, but, but definitely something topical. Yeah. And I pitched her some ideas and she basically said, this, this probably, this sounds the best. And as it turned out, I think that was probably something that probably spoke to me more, which is probably why it sounded better when I when I described it. But I guess the way I choose the stories that I write, um, yeah, just whatever I feel is the most important to me at, at that time, which, of course, my first story was going to be definitely always going to be about mothers and sons. And my second story, of course, I have to move away a little bit from that, <laughs> you know, which slightly reluctantly I might add. Yeah. Can we have another and mother and son? A sort of <laughs> mother and a, and, and a son. No, no genre, isn't it? You can just keep going. Yes, fine. <laughs> like a rehash. But of course, it's, it is quite difficult when you go to write the second story, not to write just a second version of the first story. And there's plenty of authors who very successfully do that. But I'm trying not to write, you know, just one punch two with different characters and a different age group. So that's that's been slightly tricky. Yeah, yeah. And are you much of a planner? Like, because going from, like you said, 50,000 words to all of a sudden 1890, what's the planning like from writing YA to now writing adult? Is it a different process for you? It It is. It's a, a little bit different. Not too different, though. I think I spend more time thinking about the characters mm. um, because they are really, really important. Whereas, especially if you're writing a 10,000-word story for kids, it's just very heavily on plosh. And, but I also, I think it's great grounding. Um, because it was really important to me to start the story, you know, on the first page and have a cliffhanger at every chapter, on the end of every chapter. So in a way, almost like you would write a kid's book that, mm. you know, 
don't let those readers get away, get away too far. Um, but I do plan stories. And I think that also comes from writing choose your own ending stories. I wrote a couple I of choose that. your own ever after books for the teen girl or tween girls. And they required a lot of planning because the branches of the story had to all be in the first chapter. Mm. And then it was going to have to spread out into eight possible endings at the end. And it almost did my head in writing those books. They were fun to write, but they were quite tricky because it just involved keeping track of all of these threads, but all of these threads had to start at the very beginning. So I've re I've taken, I actually learned a lot from, from writing kids' books and, yeah. and the planning of those choose your own ever after stories as well I think I got a lot of um learned a lot of skills and discipline I guess with planning and I still think that any plan should be flexible so mm. you get halfway through and the story I'm writing now I got I got halfway through and it's like I need another character because I'm missing a voice in this I'm not you know I'm missing a really important part of the story and when I went back to write his voice it just informed so much of what was going on outside those main two characters yeah. that, you know, sometimes you lose that unless you have that, the discipline of writing that extra voice. And I know some authors just write that voice as an exercise just to make sure they know their characters, but I would hate to, <laughs> to waste all those words after I'd written a voice and then just like scrub, 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 throw that away. It's like researching history and then having to, okay, well, I'll just throw in a couple little comments here and there. I would be terrible. My, if I did his, historical fiction, it would just be laboured with all of these details that I've spent all this time researching because I hate to, I really hate to waste words. And it is, yeah, it is a bit difficult to, go back and cut chapters or cut characters but that's the nature of it unfortunately yeah yeah sometimes you do yeah it sounds like you've got a really great way of working though it's like have that plan but at the same time you have to kind of do see where where the story ends up and and where it where it takes its itself yeah. essentially but that's yes, really great yeah and it's it's always amazing when the characters start to drive things. You're like, oh, oh, my, oh, look at that! You know, it's so exciting. It's so exciting when the characters just start taking taking the story and and doing their own thing. It's it's very cool. So, what I try and do is do a a rough outline, chapter by chapter, mm -hmm. even or even section by section. So I've got, I know where it starts. I know where it finishes. Invariably, it finishes somewhere else, but I know where I'm headed, where I think I'm headed. And then it might finish somewhere else or the editor might go, yeah, I love that. But the ending is, no, that's not the right ending. So that's always a little bit of a, a, a test, but um, at least I know where I'm headed. And I, and I kind of update that when I get new ideas. So I do keep a kind of chapter plan as well as the story and my first draft is really a super 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 rough draft mm -hmm. it's just me telling myself the story I mean no one would ever see my first draft because it is so rough I just literally are just like 
just want to get to the end and then I can go back and actually start writing it because I know what the characters have to do, what's required of them, this, you know, and the characters required and, you know, you, you just like have to get to the end to actually get back to the beginning. So it's, it's all a bit of a process and it takes <laughs> a long time. But anyway, that's, that's kind of how I work. Yeah, I 100% I 100% agree with that. And I like how I've heard that a couple of times of like the first draft is literally you telling yourself the story, like seeing where it goes and then and then going from there. So a cu- a couple of questions with this. How many how many drafts would you say that you you usually do or when do you get to that point where you think okay, yep, obviously working now with a like one punch didn't in- initially have a um publisher to start off with so it's it's probably a little bit different now for your second book but when he when when was the moment of one punch be like yep I'm finally ready to pass this on oh like this the second uh you know it's always premature (laughs) you know this is what I've realized I read through it and go awesome excellent bang set it off and then when I get a rejection and get it back and reread it uh, oh yeah okay that really was that was an excellent first draft okay let me have another go so I but I don't know it's really hard to see it in your own work these the flaws and the the inadequacies especially and I think actually having a background in television news where things just like literally seconds before the news bulletin it's like okay that's got to go right now and you'll be running and like there's no kind of there's no time for reflection or settling in and that kind of thing. So the whole publishing thing was very, very frustrating for me in the first instant because, yeah. you know, waiting for people to get back to you, but certainly the waiting for, you know, six, put it, put it away in your drawer for six weeks, six days maybe <laughs> at most. Like let's have another crack at that. So uh, but I do appreciate that, like a couple of months on, I can now go back to a story, and I won't even remember writing it. I think also because you know I've drafted I, one punch. I drafted many, many, many times. I can't even remember how many times because, you know, if I got a rejection or any feedback, I'd go back through. Not necessarily changing the right things, of course, but I'd. I'd have another, you know, it'd be another draft, another go. And also I I had a crack with a couple of a couple of agents in the UK and their feedback was quite different from the feedback that I ended up getting from a firm. So the feedback was, yeah, the second half is too rushed. It really feels like it needs to slow down. So I slowed it right down. And then um when I got a publishing contract, it's like, yeah, the second half is too slow. It needs to be, it needs to be a lot faster there. So I think, you know, the other thing I realise is trust your own instincts because mm-hmm. my instinct was to speed it up. Um, and maybe that's an Australian thing versus a UK um, style because I think, you know, our storytelling is probably a lot you know, there's a lot more pace, um, you know, maybe a little less descriptive, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. It, was probably, it was probably a style thing. And, you know, my style probably worked a lot better for, you know, for an Australian audience, I guess. I hope. Yeah. I, I, I love everything you just said there too, especially from like how you said coming from 
television TV, or television TV, te- television news, where everything is go, 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 and then to come into an industry <laughs> where things take years and things take a very long time and you're constantly going over. I can't even imagine how many times you've you've had to read one punch and, and now you're in launch week and you're like, I've, I've read this book a million times. Yes, I know. I reckon I, I, reckon I could if if so if the if every copy copy was lost, I could probably write it word for word. <laughs> <laughs> it's all into my head. It isn't my, my fingers would know how to write it without me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, what advice would you give someone for when it comes to when it comes to feedback? and what feedback to take on and then like how you said to to trust your instincts and also um the patience in the industry and when it comes to writing as well I know I know that's two things that um yeah I personally struggle with (laughs) yes yes Um, in terms of patience I'd say it is definitely worth setting your manuscript aside because Mm. you jet you often only get one shot at a publisher mm-hmm. or an agent. Mm-hmm. And if you've sent it, if you've really sent in a first draft instead of a polished draft, then it's a bit of a shame. And I've done, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Um, but making sure it's polished in the right way, well, that's, of course, a tricky thing. And taking feedback um I find taking feedback from editors who have, you know, who are there to actually improve your manuscript, that's that's certainly one thing. And it is always um, a little stressful when you read through the comments, you know, oh, my goodness, I, I've got so much I've got to do on this and it's always a, such a show. I love this story, but, and you're always looking for the but, Um but it's always worth reading it, going away, coming back because it's never quite because the kind of negatives always hit you so hard. And then and you're like, what would they know? They have no idea. And then when you go back, you go, oh, yeah, OK, that's yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. On the other hand, and, you know, it's, it's very rare that I would say an editor has said something that I completely disagree. I mean, I have pushed back, you know, on on minor things or whatever, but generally I wouldn't say that an editor always knows how to fix something, but if there's a, you know, they can spot a problem. Yeah. And and it's often things that you kind of thought, no one will will notice that I've just (laughs) slipped that in and haven't really explained it or that doesn't have an ending or, you know, it's like, I don't think anyone will notice that. (laughs) You never do. So that's that's one of my pieces of advice. If you're reading through your manuscript and you go and you stumble on something and go, mm, that's probably all right. No, go back and fix it because someone will spot it. Um, the other thing is your whole manuscript doesn't have to be perfect. As long as if you've got a great voice, you're telling a great story. I don't think I've ever written a story where the ending has remained exactly how I imagined or how I'd written it. You know, there's always like, yeah, I love that, love that, love that. Just that ending. Yeah. yeah. So 
it's quite often the case that the ending will change. So I reckon if you've got 75% really solid, but it, I think it's the voice that really grabs a, you know, grabs a publisher and also having, having a really strong pitch. So, you know, I think with my story, one punch, 17-year-old boy fighting for his life after a coward punch, his mother wants revenge, the perpetrator's mother will do anything to keep her son from jail. If you can tell your story in two lines, mm. you've got a really strong pitch and it makes it so much easier to find a publisher if you can nail it in two lines. And I think that's, you know, I think that's really important um, when you're writing a story because if you can't sum up your story in two lines, you're probably a little bit confused about what your story is. And that's not the case for literary fiction. Of course, literary fiction is some, you know, is often quite, quite different from that. But I think if you can pitch it in two lines, it makes a massive difference. And so the other half of that is feedback from friends, from maybe your writing group or something like that. I would be, I've got a great writing group from the course I did. And, but I quickly worked out whose feedback I valued and who was just, was not my audience. Yeah. Didn't get my story. And, and I think I, but I could also see people rejecting feedback because, oh, well, you don't really understand the story. And I, you know, that's a shame because if everyone's saying this one thing and you're just rejecting it because, well, no one knows my story. Um, I think that's a shame. But I, I think it's kind of, it's quite risky just to get your friends who are casual readers or, you know, to offer advice mm. because it's very easy to get sidetracked, deflated, even telling your story too early to friends. And you just, you know, someone will give you that expression like, Oh, <laughs> and it might be enough to kill your story. So you, you have to, and I, and most of the stories I've written, I didn't share with friends, you know, until they were, well, they were kids' stories. So it was less reason to do that. Um, one punch, I workshopped it a lot with a friend and we'd go walking every week. And, you know, we'd, we spent, she was also writing. So we spent a lot of time talking about each other's stories. And she was really valuable. And I, I knew I could trust her opinion um, because she's a lot like me. She's, you know, she was my audience. So, so that, that worked out really well. But um, I also had to share my story with a lot of other people because I needed quite a lot of expertise that I didn't have. So I had to talk to a lot yeah. of medical friends. I had to talk about brain injuries. Um, you know, the intent, the, um, the ICU, and things that I didn't have direct experience and it was COVID. So I couldn't even walk into a hospital and, and, and sort of see, see what it was like. So mm. I had to rely on a lot of medical friends. So I had to tell a lot of people about my story and that, that made me really uncomfortable because it's like, Oh, now there's all this pressure. How's the story going? You know? <laughs> so then everyone's waiting to hear. And, you know, it's, of course it's a year and a half later, which is, Gen, you know, it's pretty quick in, in overall novel terms, but still, you know, it's a long wait for people who are like, well, how's that novel going? Have you finished it? Have you got your publisher sorted out? And yeah, so 
I, I was a little scared about having to involve so many people, but I actually involved a lot of people in the writing of the story because I, I really needed their expertise. Yeah, hundred percent. And I like how you said questions. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really that's really great. And I think also you you must have come to a point in your writing where you know that this is a story you're meant to tell and the confidence in that to be able to share it with that many people because you're so right sharing it like with friends who are casual readers things can be killed or you're right they might not be your audience so don't let that you're going to get so much feedback in this industry it's crazy you know choose the right ones that you wish to take on so I thank you very much for that advice Julie (laughs) uh thank you so much for joining us today is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners um or readers and can you let us know where we can find you if we want to get further in contact with you um your book one punch is about going to be available absolutely everywhere so i do definitely recommend people grabbing themselves a copy but yeah um let us let them know where we can find you if there's anything else you want to leave us with yes i will um yeah, I guess any bookshop and online. So it, it should be widely available. So I'm really excited to to get the feedback, I think. <laughs> also slightly terrified, of course. <laughs> um, but, but looking forward to hearing what everyone thinks about One Punch. And, yeah, looking forward to connecting with people um, and you know seeing their journey if they're if they're interested in writing and and seeing where they're going as well so yeah super super excited to be here and so so thank you very much for having me on the show Olivia and yeah thank you and can we so can people can um do you have a website or Instagram yeah so I have a website juliefison.com I'm on Instagram um Facebook uh twitter yeah or a firm press is a good place to yeah get get hold of me um so the you know someone publicity person there will be able to get in touch with me but yeah definitely catch up on instagram or yeah something like that perfect thank you so much julie okay thanks a lot Livia. bye